Okay, so um, as I mentioned in the chat, I I want to speak to you guys about um, actually of of an uncommon topic, and um, it's related to the topic of marriage and relationships. Um, now, as I've mentioned already, I, this isn't customary, but. Um, some of us may not be particularly excited that we're going to be hearing about this topic today, um, but I think that it's useful. I think it's going to be very useful for those of us that are already married and for those of us that um, intend on getting married. Um, in either case, my, my hope and my trust and my prayer is that uh, we will be um, informed and um, now let, let me say some preliminary things before I get into it um, especially for those of us that are single um, and the reason why I want to give attention to this topic is because um, one of my fears is that you would uh, mess up and marry the wrong person recording in progress um, I, I if there's anything that is a tragic um, decision, it's to settle down with someone that isn't intended for you. Amen, somebody? Because once you say, I do, you, you, you have to show up. <laughs> and you can't just say, um, it was just a joke or you were just kidding. Um, amen? You, you have to follow through with a very important decision that is going to dramatically affect your life. Um, and so it's not a Christian thing if you just treat this haphazardly or um, treat it as if um, you, you, as if it's dating. Amen? It's much more than dating. It's a sacred thing. Um, when you marry, you're inviting God into the equation. Do you know that? Um, when you... See, the thing is about marriage... For example, if you had a boyfriend or girlfriend... And let's say, you know... Um, you cheated on them. You're not sinning against God. Per se. You're sinning against them. Um, but when you're when you become married and you cheat on them, you're sinning against God Himself. I don't know if you knew that. When you when you invite God into the equation, it's no longer common. It becomes a holy thing. And if there's anything that God um, gets angry at, it's treating what is holy as if it's common, like Esau. Y'all here? Y'all following? Are, are we? Are we? Uh, I just want to make sure that we're listening, and uh, we have. I have your full attention. Amen. Let me know if y'all are here. In fact, before I before I continue, um, I'm not getting feedback from the rest of y'all. Y'all are here. I don't, I don't want my words to just just be on uh, falling on deaf ears. Um, 
Okay, so I, I'm actually going to begin in prayer. Let, let me uh, let me open up a prayer. Father, I, I just come before you, Lord, and I ask right now for you to give me the words to speak, O oh Lord. I pray, God, that you would unctionize my, my heart and give unction to my tongue. Father, I pray that you would give me the words to speak that it would be informative to your people and that they would gain wisdom. God, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus that if you need to cut them to their hearts, that you would do that. If you need to encourage them, that you would do that. Father, I pray that no one in this gathering would marry the wrong person. Father, I pray, Lord, that if any of us are in any ungodly relationships, I pray that you would cut those relationships out. <clears throat> I pray, Father, that they would not compromise their destiny. I pray that they would not compromise what you have for them, O God. Holy Spirit, make it abundantly clear what you desire for their lives and that they would not deviate from it, O Lord. Give them, O God, the self-discipline. Give them, O Father, I pray, a wise and a discerning heart. And that the devil will not throw the dust of time in their eyes and blind them to eternity. God, may you be honored this day. May you be honored through this message, through the proclamation of your word as we dig into your holy scriptures. Father, may they not dodge the unadulterated word. Father, I pray that we would become pure and that we would become wise. Holy Spirit, I pray, be glorified this day. O oh, Jesus, be glorified. Be glorified and come and dwell in our midst. That it would not be just mere information. God, grant us revelation this day, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. So, um, I, I want to ask real quickly that uh, I, I want to read one passage from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Um, it's a very famous passage of Scripture. Um, but I, I, I'm directing our attention here to serve as a, a foundation for what we will be talking about from this point forward. And um, the Bible says right here, well actually beginning at verse 23, um, my apologies. Uh, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. And so the reason why I'm coming here is because we see even before the fall, even before man had fallen from the state of perfection and was banished from uh, the presence of the Lord, that this was in God's original design. Uh, this was within God's original plan um, to create a family system 
Um, because obviously from this point forward, Adam was Adam and Eve were then to procreate. But this was from uh, this is God's original design. Even before man fell, this wasn't an afterthought. Amen. And this this so no matter what people are saying today, uh, you know it doesn't matter whether they think that they can be transgender or they can be this or cisgender or whatever all these other ridiculous terms um, or they can be homosexual um, no it is clear the Bible says that God made Adam and Eve amen this is very fundamental this is very basic amen. Um, there's no deviation from this and don't care how much we try to philosophize it or say the Science is in support of these ridiculous ideas. It's just not true. Science will always back God, right? Science will always back God's original design. So we see, as I've said already, um, before the law of Moses, uh, before before at all, God created Adam and Eve. And um, so... We see that this is from the very order of creation. And of course, uh, they had their respected uh, roles. And what God had um, desired for Adam to do was to take dominion. And now here's an interesting, and I'm not going to read the verse. Um, but you know what? Let, let, you know, let me actually tr read this. I'm sorry. I kind of go back and forth sometimes. Um I'm not going to read all of chapter 3, but chapter 3, the context there is that the serpent deceives Eve. Y'all remember that? Now, let me just say this on the side. That is not suggestive of the fact that females are somehow less intelligent. Because there have been some very misogynistic cultures. Um, I think uh, America particularly had fallen prey to this in the 1800s. They would reason that since the woman was deceived, um, they would they would actually make the case that women were uh, scientifically less intelligent, and that's simply not the case. Um, okay, so I, I just wanted to say that because th this isn't a comparison thing, right? This isn't a you women are stupid, right? That's not at all it. Men and women alike can be deceived. Okay? Amen. Now, remember that God told Adam, he, he didn't tell Eve, he told Adam, don't eat of the fruit. That wasn't a command given to Eve. Now, I'm not going to get into whether or not she knew that, um, you know, because some people try to make that case. I don't think that's true. But nonetheless, that the charge was given to Adam, and he was entrusted with this specific imperative from the Lord. Now Eve, of course, as I've said, becomes deceived. Now it's not I'm not focusing on the deception. What I want to focus on is the curse that had come as a result of woman's of, of Eve's um, deception and, and the, the fall, the curse that had entered into humanity. Um it says in verse 16 of chapter 3, To the woman, he said, and the he there is God, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe, 
With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Y'all who want to have children, thank E for that. <laughs> thank E for the pain you're going to experience. Well, unless you use epidural, right? Uh, how many uh, of the shot that you get? To... Now, let, let me say this real quick, real quickly. Because um, I've heard people make the ridiculous case that women should not take epidural. If you don't know what epidural is, it's the shot that they get in the back because they they insist that since the curse was given to the woman by God that you will have pain in childbearing, that you are therefore to endure the pain. Now, I just think that that's a ridiculous case. And the reason why is because God also told Adam, by the sweat of your brow, you will you know, uh, uh, earn a living and stuff like that. So is that suggestive of the fact that we should all work outside and not inside in air condition? Should we, if, do I have to break a sweat every time I work? Should I make sure that I'm sweating? I, I think to take a very literal interpretation and impose that upon people and expect them to endure because God's desire and God's heart isn't for man to endure a curse. It happened as a result of their sin, but it doesn't mean that God expects, you know, like, like somehow that they are now falling into sin if they um, kind of put cushions around the curse, if, 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 the, if I can use that term, right? Because he... And then not only that, Jesus had come to bring blessing, not curse, right? So, and now we're in Christ. We, we're born from the second man, Adam. And so, I, I wanted to make, I just wanted to make that clear, not, you know, because as I've said again, uh, I've heard some people make that case that, no, you should just endure the pain. But what leads us to believe that? What leads us to believe that a woman should have to endure pain just because this is a descriptive truth from the beginning doesn't mean that, um, you know, um, that we can't do things to help alleviate that pain. Uh, but as we continue forward, it says in verse 17, um, no, excuse me, verse 16, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, um, the reason why I want to focus on this is because now, the Hebrew term is the same term to the desire that you will have for your husband. It's not talking about sexually. Okay, it's the same word that was used when referring to Cain and how sin desired to have him. Okay, sin desired to have Cain. And, and now that same Hebrew term is the term that's used when it's talking about a woman and her desire for her husband. In other words, <coughs> the desire that she has is to rule over him. And, and the way that God had placed it is that the man would be the head of the woman, and but there will be a natural tendency that emerges from the woman to, to defy that. To, to come against her own husband. Amen, somebody? I know we don't like that. We, you know, I, you know I, I'm not here to soften it or cushion it or give you a pillow. Um, but so now 
you can understand why it's important, you ladies, for who you marry. Because if he's an incompetent, weak, jellyback uh, kid who isn't a man, who still loves to sag and wear his sister's jeans, <laughs> and, and he's, he, you know, he still talks like he got marbles in his mouth. Yo, what's up, man? Yo, yo, what's cracking, man? You know, you know all the, those little kids today, they try to act all hard, right? I, let, let me just say this. If, if you sisters get with a guy like that, don't come back to this meeting. <laughs> I'll be so disappointed in you. I'll be utterly disappointed in you. Um, now, now I, I, I don't mean that literally. I, I mean to not come back. But I would be, I would be disappointed. I would. Um, it's a shame. Um, it's a shame that uh, uh, a woman who claims to be a, a daughter of God would defy her judgment, the judgment that God has given her to fall prey to a boy. Amen. L let me know y'all are here. Uh, amen. D say ouch or whatever because uh, amen I'm not here to tickle your ears or to scratch them you know like Leonard Ravenhill said he says you know um, this generation has itching ears but I have no commission of the Lord to scratch them so marriage isn't about boys and girls see you got to give all that junk up you got to give that nonsense up that the whole, the whole, uh, you know, the way that the high school did it, you, you got to give that stuff up. That, that isn't how kingdom operates. That isn't how we are intended to live as children of God. Amen, somebody. We, we have to go according to kingdom principles. Now, um, <clears throat> so. The, going back to the point that I was making is if, if you settle for uh, uh, you know a kid that's still living in his mom's basement and wears his sister's jeans and and his haircut costs more than his Bible <laughs> he still listens to you know um, worldly rap. But, you know, he claims to be a Christian. He invests more in his wardrobe than he does in books. He invests in his uh, his attire more than he is in his uh, future investments. Then how are you going to submit to that? Amen. He barely knows his Bible. He don't pray. You're stronger than him. You can beat him in arm wrestling. You know more skills than he does. You know, it's funny. I remember back in the day, there, there were some of, the, some of these girls that were able to actually beat up a lot of the guys. I remember my cousin, she, uh, uh, I'm not going to say her name, but she was dating one of my old friends 
And, uh, well, she was able to beat him up. <laughs> I mean, she was really that strong. And, and, you know, he just didn't know how to fight. But we would always clown him like, bro, shut up. Like, we'll get your own girlfriend on you. <laughs> no, but the point that I'm making is there will be this natural tendency for a woman to rule over her husband. And it's only going to make it a, a, a um, it's going to only make it that much more difficult for you if you marry a, a boy whom you cannot respect. Who is incompetent, who, who doesn't know how to lead. Amen. So what, why, why are you going, what? So you, you he can lead your children. Does that does that make much sense? It doesn't make very much sense at all. And so um, you're going to want to invest yourself and your life in one who can actually lead you and lead your family. Because if there's anything that's going to plague you and be a, a, it's going to be hurtful is that you settle down and, and you have kids with someone that you have to basically drag along. You feel like you're the one leading. Because it, it's like getting the cart before the horse. The horse belongs in front and the cart in back, but but it, it it's the the roles are reversed. Does that make sense? Amen. So, um, this is where you have to have self control. You have to have discretion. You have to have wisdom. You have to have discernment. Because um, if you say I'm lonely and I'm just going to settle for this person or I'm just going to settle for this, this man or I'm just going to settle for this woman, then your loneliness led you into a decision that is going to affect your life for, from this point forward. And, and, you know, it might solve one problem. You might get into a marriage because you, you have a sexual appetite. But then what happens is you just exchange one problem for another problem. And I assure you that that problem becomes a whole lot bigger. See, what happens, especially with men... When they're stressed, when they're frustrated, and if you marry the wrong person, you think you're going to be alleviated of frustration? No, not in the slightest. You are going to be uh, regretful. You're going to be upset at yourself, frustrated, right? Because there's going to be constant conflict and things aren't working out. Now, do you think in the face of all of that, you're going to want to... Uh, um, 
have sex with your wife. Now, I'm just going to be frank here. I, I don't normally talk about these topics, but I, 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 I'm not trying to be crude. I, I just have to get to these topics because if, if it's, you can't hear it in the church, then you're going to hear it in the world. So do you think you're going to want to have sex with a wife you're not intimate with, that you're constantly fighting with? Or do you think you're going to start looking to the world? You think you're going to start looking to another woman at the office or at a job that begins to tell you all the things you want to hear? Hey, you know, you, you, you're handsome. Man, hey, uh, did anybody ever tell you you look sexy? Did anybody ever tell you, man, you do a real good job at, uh, at your work? Man, I wish my I wish my man did that. And they start massaging you with words. As Proverbs says, words that are smooth as butter. Right? And they start giving you the attention that you want. Start telling you everything you want to hear. And you married a wrong person and hell is, it, it ain't even home, it's hell. Can't agree on anything. And then at some point, maybe you have tried everything and you just end up throwing up your hands and say, what's the point? I'm going to just go have sex. I'm going to go get the attention I've always wanted. Right? And so you see how, how bad it is to begin on the wrong foot of wanting attention, wanting this, rather than wanting what God wants for your life. Right? Because if you begin there wanting what God wants for your life, then when there you are met with difficulty, you're not going to falter, you're not going to collapse. You're not going to throw in the towel. Come on, y'all ain't talking to me. I, I know that this is a heavy thing and this ain't going to be peaches and cream and, you know, you know, hey, Romeo's going to sweep you off your feet. Oh, I just want, a, I want a Romeo. <laughs> yeah, you, you're watching too many Disney Channel, too many Disney movies. And so, you know, th th this is serious stuff. Or, you know, or even about the, the woman. You know, the, the thing is a lot of women, they want man material, but they ain't trying to be women material. They ain't trying to be wife material. They st they're still dressing. Let me just say, I'm going to be very frank. They're still dressing like a whore. They still, but they still, you know, they dress in such a way to where it looks like they're barely saved. Wearing stuff to deliberately curve your body. And then you want to slap a scripture to it and say, Jesus saves. You know, this goes both ways. The guys who love to take pictures with their shirt off and start flexing and say, I can do all things through Christ. No, stop that nonsense. If you can do all things through Christ, then put a dang shirt back on and stop looking like a fool. Amen. And you women, if you can do all things through Christ, stop looking like you've been discipled by Jezebel.
If, if you expect to have a man that is going to be loyal and faithful, <clears throat> then start carrying yourself like you like you walk faithful too. Amen. It's reciprocal. It goes both ways. Now, don't give me that nonsense. Oh, Jesus knows my heart. Yeah, and he also knows your wardrobe too. What's in your wardrobe? Gucci? Oh, Balenciaga? You spend more money on your wardrobe than you do on, on, on uh, uh, giving to the church. You spend more money on, on your wardrobe than you do on things investing into your spirituality. Now, and I'm not, I'm not saying be legalistic, you know, because some people have legalistic standards. I, I came from a church that was very legalistic. You know, the women ha couldn't cut their hair, no makeup at all. I'm not saying makeup is bad. You know, I, I've heard it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I heard, I heard some time back that if the barn needs painting, put a little bit on it. <laughs> So I don't think there's anything wrong, but it, 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 it's, it's the motive of your heart. And, and, you know, because no man or no woman goes out, you know, in the day saying, hey, how can I look more ugly today? <laughs> and I think some people act overly spiritual, like they don't like to look good. But looking good and looking seductive are two different things. Amen. You can look good and look elegant, and you can look good and look seductive. Now, <coughs> um, I want to turn to math, uh, Proverbs 18.22. Proverbs 18, verse 22. This is what the word of the Lord reads. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Now, let me just say this. Uh, it says he who finds a wife. So brothers, now I know that there's exceptions. I don't want to be legalistic here. Um, but... You brothers need to look for the wife. Start sharpening your communication skills. Reach out. You speak to them. Don't wait for them to come to you. And just because you got saved and sanctified don't mean that you have to uh, lose your your um, your game, <laughs> if I can use that term. I know that has a lot of negative connotations, but just have some sanctified game. Like, yo, yo, sister, I mean, I love how your Bible looks. <laughs> I'm just messing. That's, that's probably won't work very much. Um, 
But seriously, though, um, talked with them. You know, pursue them. Let them know, like, hey, um, I've been thinking about it. I've even been praying about it. And um, I was wondering if you're free this Friday night. I'd love to take you on a date. Or are you afraid of rejection that much? Isn't the Lord your shield? <laughs> Isn't the Lord a friend that sticks closer than a brother? Hey, you might have to endure a couple of tears, but that's all right. <laughs> if you get rejected. But the point that I'm trying to make is you want to pursue. Don't, don't think that, you know, uh, that she's just going to fall out of heaven. And, and uh, you know, you have to be proactive. Now, obviously, there's a dual relationship here because the wife comes from the Lord, but the wife coming from the Lord isn't independent or absent from finding that wife. Jesus says, if you seek, you shall find. If you knock, you shall have the door open. If you ask, you shall receive. Don't think that you're going to receive from the Lord if you never search. Amen. Man, y'all are a tough crowd. Maybe y'all ain't got game or something. Maybe you're just hurt. Maybe you're just hurt. You've been rejected too much. You don't like this message. I don't I don't like this message. I've been just rejected too much. Or I ain't never had a boyfriend. Or I ain't never had a girlfriend. I don't care about this. <laughs> But it says, um, he who finds a wife finds what is good. So it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. You know, the unfortunate thing today is we live in a day and age where they are uh, uh, glamorizing these uh, imbeciles, these meatheads that are good for nothing husbands. And then the wife is just this sort of bad tag on. And he's just this dunce. They don't know how to do anything but drink beer and kick it with his friends. That is not what you are to do when you're married. When you are married, it's not all about you and your homeboys anymore. Amen. Your wife won't be just an afterthought. But I'm not just still kicking with my homeboys. I'm still, or, you know, even just kick it with the brothers. Because, now, I'm not saying, you know, there isn't a place and a time to, you know, go with the brothers and, you know, and do things like that. But you, you have to, um, <laughs> kicking it means like hanging out, like, you know, uh, yeah, hanging out, fellowshipping or, you know. Um, I'm not saying that there isn't a time and a place for that, but by and large... You, you know, when it comes to you getting married, your your home is priority. Now, I want to say on the side, some people will run with that. And what they mean by priority is idolatry. Because for some of you women, you have to understand that your husband isn't your, uh, uh, you know, isn't a ball that's chained to you either. Yeah. 
you know, where, where it's like he wants to go and pray or he wants to go to the church or he wants to go outreach or he wants to go do something for God. And you're like, no, you, you have to stay here. That, that form of that, see, that's idolatry that's led from insecurity. So that even though you're a one flesh, even though you're one flesh, you're not one person. There is still individuality in marriage, and some people don't know how to live with that. So on the one hand, your, 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 your husband isn't your skin. Your wife isn't your skin. In some some brothers, man, I can't tell you how many I've seen in the world. No, not in the world. In the church, they get married and they were devoted to God. They'll go to prayer meetings. They'll do all that. And the moment they got married, they became a a um a sellout. They stopped showing up. They stopped doing things for God. And you, all you see were hearts around his. You know, he had hearts that replaced his eyes. You know, you seen some of those old-fashioned cartoons. When the uh, like a dog seems like another dog, yeah, exactly those heart eyes, and the <laughs> it like pops out of his head. He goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" And they do the whole whistle and all that. Well, that's what I was just absolutely t pain. I'm sprung. <laughs> I'm sprung. How'd you get me? Got me doing things I never do. <laughs> the song's probably before some of your time. Uh, um, but the point that I'm uh, <laughs> falling in love and getting sprung are two different things. Because when you're sprung, it, 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 you're, you, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, um, how can I describe it? <coughs> um, you, you ever have those friends in the world, the moment they got a girlfriend, they just forgot about you? That's what sprung is. They just forgot about the whole, the whole clique. And some of you all, if you got the girl that you wanted or the guy you wanted, you'll forget the church. You'll forget the ga- you'll forget the gathering. You'll forget about prayer. Prayer is just an afterthought. Oh, but then when there's rocks and bumps in the road, guess who's the first one to come to prayer? Hey, pastor, I need prayer. Pray for me. Prophesy to me. Prophesy that it'll be good in my relationship. Give me a word. I want to hear a word. <laughs> I'm coming after y'all today. This ain't no peaches and cream. This is not. You got to work on yourself. <coughs> I'm not trying to be arrogant. You know, I'm. I, I, I get. I get a. Um, you know, it's. I get a joy at talking about this because I used to hear this too at one time, and so, <laughs> you know, messages. You know, for the singles and. Um, you know, like, okay, you know, um, and I understand how it is to be in that waiting season. 
to be in that waiting season and and working on yourself. Working on yourself, that's going to be a big thing before you get married. Is And even once you do get married, you working on yourself, you're still under construction. But there are some preliminary things in your life that you got to get weeded out before you get married. Because if you don't, it will be to the detriment and the destruction of that marriage. Are we all perfect? No, no one's perfect. But there are certain character flaws that if you do not change, it's it's going to negatively affect your marriage. You know, it's it's um it's unfortunate. But it says that if you if you find a wife, a good wife, you receive favor from the Lord. So your your uh, uh, the success in your relationship or, or the 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 success in finding a good wife cannot go beyond the your measure of your favor from God because if you try to do that in a season where God has not given you that favor then it's not going to happen it's not going to work. It doesn't matter how much you fast, don't matter how much you pray, how many marriage seminars you go to, you have to wait upon the Lord. And you know what? You might be getting up in age thinking like, man, maybe, you know, I'm 30 years old and I still ain't married or I'm, you know, I'm X, you know, amount of age or I'm this or that and I'm still not married and you'll be tempted to just go ahead and go for it anyways. But if the Lord hasn't blessed you, you're only blessing yourself, in which case it's not really a blessing. Amen. Exactly. You might birth an Ishmael when you're intended to have an Isaac. Now, I wanted to go to Proverbs 31. You know, we have a lot of talk today of Proverbs 31 woman. I want to be a Proverbs 31. And we, and you know, let me just tell you real quickly, having that on a t-shirt or having that on your Bible or having that on the coffee mug ain't going to do it. So Proverbs 31, beginning at verse uh, 10. It says, um, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. So let let me say this. uh, Finding a good wife, because we we read uh, uh, in Proverbs, right? Who finds a wife, finds a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord. Finding a wife of character, uh, not Paul, uh, Solomon is is, um, indicating to us that it's a rare thing. Do you just stumble across rubies? Do you just stumble across diamonds? Do you do you just stumble like, hey, look, whoa, a, a ruby in the gutter? No, you you find rubies, you 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 find pennies in the gutter, or you know whatever you know currency you guys use. Uh, what maybe what what are the coins that you guys use? Are those called euros too? Yeah, 
Or is it just like the the like uh they're called scents? Okay, well you'll find scents in the gutter. But you're not gonna find a hundred dollar bills, you're not gonna find a hundred euros, you're not gonna find rubies, so you're not gonna find a woman that is uh, a more precious than rubies just stumbling across her. You know, and some of you sisters, you have to put your emotions in check because the first guy that tells you what you want to hear, you're already thinking, oh, he, he might be the one. Like, you think it's that easy? You think just because he liked your photo on Instagram or he says, you're looking good. Or he reacts to a picture you put in your stories, then your your mind is already thinking, "Oh, maybe he's the one." You ain't reacting, but I know some of you all thought that. Or you brothers, if a, if a sister reacted to your thing, oh man, you know, is she the one? Hey, yo, come down. But she's more precious than Ruby. So that shows that a good wife is in a scarcity. They are rare commodities. You're not just going to find it easily. It may take a lot of search. And and you know what? You you may be one of these Proverbs 31 under construction. You probably haven't even got there yet. But you need to. Let me let me let me throw this one in. Uh, all those little uh, uh, fits and pouts you throw, and you can't resolve conflicts in relationship. You can't even solve it amongst friends. And you think you're going to do that with a husband? You think you're going to do that with a wife? You harbor unforgiveness and bitterness, and 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 you sulk in your emotions. You can't get over stuff, and you think that. You're going to be successful in a husband that keeps leaving the toilet seat uh, up. I remember when I first got married because I, I was raised by a single dad, just me and my dad. And my wife's like, are you going to put the toilet seat down? I'm like, for what? <laughs> like, it, I just didn't live thinking that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I didn't live thinking that way. And it wasn't any fault to me. But... I put the toilet seat down. And at first I'm like, well, why don't you just do it? Like, I I, I don't want to do it. But that's where, you know, yielding and sacrifice and... Amen, somebody? Amen. Somebody might say, where's that at in the Bible? Put the toilet seat down. Where is that in the Bible that I have to, you know, so people like try to become lawyers when it comes to the scriptures. But the the, the, the point is, though, that um, a lot of a lot of your old ways will have to die. Amen. <clears throat> your old ways and the ways that you, you know, see, that's the thing is people. Here's another thing. Oh, well, you know, my mom raised me this way. My dad raised me this way. 
or I've been living single all my uh, for five years and this is how I did it in my house. Well, guess what? That's not the case anymore. Why'd you get married? If you want to keep pulling that card, are you married to your mom? Are you married to your dad? Amen. No. Oh, well, we was raised this way. This is how we, we, we always done it. So what? You got married and you are now yoking with someone who is used to doing something a certain way. Now you have to come out and figure out a new way. Amen. You die, they die, you both die. So when you marry, you signed up to die to a lot of areas. See, marriage is all good when it comes to, you know, because I know how the women think. They, they say, oh, well, I get, you know, during winter, I get the nice mug and the hot chocolate. I'll cut it with my hubby. We'll watch a nice movie. See, that's all you're thinking about with your nice little house slippers and a robe, right? And, you know, that's all you're just thinking about the benefits, but you're not thinking about all the stuff that comes along with it. Like, I'm not saying that don't look for that, don't wish for that. I mean, because that's cool and that's good. There's a place for that. But all I'm saying is don't become so preoccupied with all the benefits that you lose sight of all the responsibilities that come along with it. Everybody wants a new job, but don't nobody want the responsibility. Everybody wants to partake in the cake, but nobody wants to do all the grunt work of prepping for the cake. They're like, yo, just call me when it's done. Everybody wants to celebrate with you when you've arrived, but they don't want to be with you when it comes to being responsible to actually do the hard work. <clears throat> it says her husband has full confidence in her. Now, here's, here's something, sisters. You have to lose that wayward sort of seductress uh, uh, ways to you. Because your husband, your future husband, should have confidence in you that if you go to the store by yourself, you're not going to cheat on him. See, so, some people, they want to marry still with a single mindset. Amen. Slap your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor. <laughs> Amen. And the Bible says <laughs> that in the last days, <laughs> there's going to be people that are lovers of self. <laughs> lovers of self. You, you're not interested in living holy. You just want to do what you want to do. But you just want the benefits that come along with being married to say that you got someone that's stuck with you. So your so and stop playing that stupid card that says God knows my heart. Yes, and he knows your actions too, and he knows what you say, and he knows what you do. So Start dressing a way, start talking in a way to where your uh, husband has full confidence in you. 
Man, I, I can't tell you the, the sort of ridiculousness of, of these sisters that post pictures of themselves and then just slap a verse to it and they think it's a holy picture. They're just saying, look, look, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not modest. Now, if you're going to take a picture of yourself and you put a verse on it and you want to model for other sisters, hey, this is what modesty looks like. Fine. Because I think sisters in this generation need a model for what modesty looks like. Okay. But if you're, if. It, and, and you know why you're doing that. If you're if you're dressing skimpy, that verse don't make it holy. Amen. Or how, how about the brothers? Like you know, they'll they'll pose like this way, right? Like like chin, like they they have their hand on their chin like that, like they're thinking hard, and they'll flex with their bicep. And like they'll, they'll they'll squeeze their arm just to get the veins popping out, as if women are in, even interested in that. You know, so um, yeah, very spiritual. Um, that sort of strength ain't spiritual unless you're Samson. But even in that case, you know, he had a failure. But um. Verse 12, it says, she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool. <clears throat> she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night and she provides food for her family. She portions for her female servants. So what do you see here? You see diligence. You see a domestic care. You see a care for the home. Now, here's here's one thing I would say on the side, because depending on what culture we're from, what we will do is legalistically say that a woman should not ever work. Now, <clears throat> I, I, I don't believe the Bible supports that. I'm not saying that it isn't ideal for the woman to stay exclusively at the house. I'm not saying that it's not ideal because I think that there is a benefit in that, but to, to then say with economic problems and maybe you're freed up and your kids have moved out of the house and you want some extra income, you can't then say that the woman is prohibited from working and earning some other additional form of cash in the workplace. And that might contradict our understanding because of the way that we've been raised culturally. But see, the culture doesn't dictate the truth of Scripture. The truth of Scripture dictates what we should do culturally. Hallelujah. What's acceptable or what's not acceptable. As I said, now do I think it's ideal? Yes, I do think there's, if you can, but hey, it may be in the reverse. A woman may end up working. Maybe she, you know, uh, it has a very good paying job. It's a favorable condition. Everything is wonderful at the workplace. I mean, it's just a, a very ideal job. 
and the husband's taking care of the house. Now, does that look like a traditional way of doing things? No, but <clears throat> this is where we can't judge and impose our cultural expectations upon them. Okay, because here's the thing. You have to be prepared to say all those people who have prayed for God to supply their needs, that God didn't answer that, that that's something that they did themselves. And I just, I'm not prepared to say that about every single couple out in the world today. Because that 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 is literally dismissing what God may have actually done for them. Because you can't point to a verse to say that this is exactly how it should look. Now, does the wife have to submit to the husband? Yes. But that that's not submission. That That's just a role of acquiring income. That's all that is. And... Amen, somebody? Now, the point, though, that I'm trying to make is that there is a diligence, that, that she cares for her home. Are you, are, you, are you prepared to have that sort of heart, a hospitable heart, a, a servant's heart? Serving and not being served. Now, it's reciprocal because we want to be served and we want to serve. We want both. It has to go both ways. But can you serve nonetheless? Amen, somebody? Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Who did that? <laughs> Uh, that's funny. <laughs> Y'all are hilarious. Um, verse 17. <clears throat> it says, She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. So there's intelligence. Um, there's a conservatism, you, you, you're conservating finances, you're, you're, you're doing things wisely, you know, so that self-indulgent mindset has to go where you just want to go out shopping with the girls and buying these handbags and buying all that stuff just because you can, or in some cases you can't and you're just swiping your credit cards, doing what you want to do, getting what you want to get. Or how about for the guys too? They want their lifted trucks. They want this. They want a, a you know, brand new like golf bag or wh whatever those things are. You know, they want all this new equipment to go golfing or, you know, and they're just swiping credit cards, putting the, the whole family in debt just to get what they want to get. And there is no intelligence financially. Um, <clears throat> so th th here's where some practical advice comes into play. Now, th this is what I wish what has been stressed to me before I got married is because there's a lot of spirituality. Where, there's a lot of talk of morality, of be holy and stuff like that. But I, I wasn't told that it's ideal for you to maybe study personal finances. It don't look spiritual, right? You're, you're not going to hear rebukes. 
you know, that's typically what people associate with being spiritual is like, oh yeah, a rebuke, right? And, and reading verses. You may have to select a book that has not a single verse in all throughout the book, but you're learning it in order to fulfill a verse you've read. Amen. Hallelujah. So it takes a lot of difficult work to, to purchase a book, study it, uh, uh, read it, and apply it. Now, this isn't any less spiritual because, again, we see that this is characteristic of this woman, a Proverbs 31 woman, and she's going out and getting all of these things. But you think she just stumbled into that? No. There are things that she had to learn. And in some cases, you have been disadvantaged by the way you've been raised. So you have to trust in the living God to give you the wisdom in order to live out what was not modeled to you. So you have to do the extra work. Yo, I, I know because I had a poor model. I had an absence of a mother and a poor father that didn't demonstrate to me. So I had to learn while in motion. And it was hard. It was difficult. Why? Because I was raised by the streets. I was taught to slang drugs. I was taught by older men that were crooks and criminals. So when I got saved, I didn't know what a good father looked like. And I had to learn a lot of stuff myself and learn from God. And some of you have been disadvantaged in a similar situation, a similar uh, upbringing, and now you are in a pit, and you see some people, they are where you would, uh, uh, you desire to be, and, and you, it's kind of like a race, starting a race, and you got pushed 100 yards back in the race, and it ain't fair. It don't feel like it's fair. Because your mom weren't there for you, your dad wasn't there for you. <clears throat> and some of you have had your parents there for you, and they, they did a wonderful job, and praise God for that. But as we continue forward, what does he say? Verse 18, um, oh no, verse 19, in her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms uh, um, to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. So even though she is conservative with money, she, she, she uh, you know, they're wise in how they spend, but they're also generous. Because here's one of the things that you have to learn about marriage. It ain't just about your marriage. It's about you also serving others. So, it makes no sense to serve others if your home is a mess. But if your home is intact, then you should start to want to help others too. See, the unfortunate thing, and, and this is particularly true more often with women, is once they get the husband that they wanted, they just want to settle down, go to church once a week, and that's it. And they want all the extra time just to go to family stuff. But, but when it comes to ministering to others, that's no, let, forget that. 
We'll, we'll still serve God. We'll still even have Bible studies at the house. We'll still even pray together, but forget everybody else. Basically, let me just put it very frankly, to hell with people in the world. Who cares about the poor? Who cares about the orphans? Who cares about the widows? Who cares about the people going to hell? Now, it doesn't mean that a couple will necessarily be a missionary couple. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that there should be a, a joined uh, interest in some way helping to serve others other than your immediate family. Verse 21, when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes covering for a bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes a seat among the elders of the land. So here's what I want to focus on too. Verse 23, he's respected. So it says that he sits among the elders of the land. Okay, so what does that say? He's a man that is wise. Amen. People who had gone to the city of the gates were those who had sought for counsel. So, do you want an unwise man for a husband? Do you want a Homer Simpson for a husband? <laughs> <laughs> Hot belly. Don't I mean don't know his right hand from his left. And I know I can sound insulting, and I kind of am. That should not be what you're looking for in a husband. Is a complete imbecile. He should be wise. Amen, somebody? Not wise according to the standards of God. That doesn't mean he has to be super intellectual. But he has to be wise morally. And that means he has character. But also when it comes to your life. Like practical things of how to run the home. And, and you have to have a little bit of grace because especially if he's barely beginning, he may not know how to do all that. But God is teaching him how to do it. Amen. As long as there is the capacity to obtain it and a willingness of heart. Amen. So uh, again, th there has to be there has to be wisdom. Um, and I can't stress it enough. Look, <clears throat> I, let me, let me let you into a little bit insight. Um, and this might be insightful for some of you sisters. Um, I learned this from Jordan Peterson, who's a clinical psychologist. And, um, he, he expressed how a lot of women particularly, um, not all, are interested in bad men, bad boys. That's why, um, you know, 
some girls, unfortunately, like men that are men of the streets, men who've gone to prison. And you think he's a deadbeat guy. Like he's so manipulative. He's a narcissist. Why are you interested in these deadbeat guys? Uh, good for nothing. Well, because uh, a lot of times there's a proclivity for women to tame the untamable. It's a form of subtle pride that I was able to tame this bad guy by the sway of my beauty and my charm. And I brought him into subjection. And sisters, let me say, it's devilish pride. Amen. Crucify it. You don't want a bad boy. You want a good man who emulates Christ, not bad men. So if you, you wonder why you keep running to trash men like that, is because your heart is full of devilish pride. And I say that as solemnly as I do because I don't want you to ruin your life and get in this vicious cycle and then and then and then it's a failure and you wonder why he is out with another woman and you're left home alone. What do you expect? You linked up with a sociopath with a self-filled narcissistic good for nothing guy and now you're just like dazed disorientated how could this possibly happen <clears throat> so you're not looking to change a man you're looking for a man who has been changed by God, Amen. by the Holy Ghost. Because, you know, sisters, let me tell you, you're not going to change him. It's not going to happen. It doesn't happen in the world, it don't happen in the church. This is why you need a man who is wholeheartedly submitted to the Holy Ghost. Because only the Holy Spirit can educate a man. Amen. It says, verse 25, she is clothed with strength and dignity. So in other words, sisters and men too, you need to live dignified lives dignified. You know, I gave this example, you know, I said, you know, how would it look if like, say, for example, someone like Paul Washer or Apostle Joshua Summon, very dignified men, got a tattoo. You would be appalled. Why? Because they are representatives of dignity. But you would expect like a lot of these, uh, 
a lot of these uh, millennial or Gen Z Christian influencers to do it. But you don't expect men like this because they're men of stature and men of dignity. So, you don't want to just ask, is it sin? You want to ask, will this lead me to a dignified life? Um... It says, verse 26, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instructions on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. And so here's another thing. Her children call her blessed. You know, children are honest. You know, my son, like, you know, when we go to a certain place, he's all, that's messy. Because his dad is a clean freak. I, I mean, I love things orderly. I hate disorganized stuff. I, I love orderly stuff. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's very meticulous like me. And my dad was like that too. Um, but, you know, he'll walk into a place and he, he's just honest, like forthright like his dad. So that's messy. Why do they have it like that? <laughs> like, son, shh, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> the point that I bring that up is um, <clears throat> is your children are honest. And so if you come to the point to where you're parenting and they're telling you things that aren't pleasant to your ears, it's not because they're lying. If you're inconsiderate, if you don't do anything for them, See, your children are not a punching bag for your anger. Amen. They are not a crash dummy. You don't get to test drive on your children. You don't get to use them as punching bags for your anger and your depression or your sorrow. You better get your joy and your happiness from the Holy Ghost because if you don't and if you don't let God know your problems, you'll take it out on your children. Amen. Hallelujah. And they'll say, "Mommy, you're mean." And they, they may not. And here's here's this, uh, the 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 fearful thing is that they would be so timid and so intimidated and so afraid to tell you what you need to hear, not because you don't need to hear it because you do, but because they're so afraid of you. You because with my son. He, 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 he's not afraid to tell me, Dad, you're being grumpy. Because he knows that I'm not fickle and I'm not, I don't bat, I don't trash things. I don't, I don't shout and, you know, I'm not this, un, you know, this wave tossed to and fro. I will say, son, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Daddy's being grumpy. I'm not feeling good in the moment. He says, you just need to pray to Jesus. <laughs> You're right, son. I need to just pray to Jesus. Or, or how about this? When they want to show you something. And I get it. Sometimes you're busy and you don't got time to focus. 
But there are many times where I'll say, son, I can't write. And then I remember hearing what my dad would always tell me. I'm like, you know what? Um, because my dad would always dismiss everything. And so, you know what? What did I do? I sought for attention in the streets. I sought attention for all these other outlets. And so I'll say, you know what, son, I'm sorry. What were you going to show daddy? Because they will remember that. They'll remember it. And you know what? They won't go to all these punks and these thugs trying to get attention from them. And that's what they are. They're punks and they're thugs. Invest in your children. Pay attention to them. And, 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 and inquire of their heart. Nurture their hearts. Don't treat them like the world treats their children. They're underdeveloped, man. They, they can't care for themselves. Amen. You can barely process your emotions. You think they're going to process their emotions if all they see are fights left and right in the home and you're treating them like crash dummies? You think they're going to be able to deal with that? They don't even know how to articulate. Their vocabulary hasn't even exceeded the second grade or third grade. And you expect them to communicate and, and to, to, to interact with you as a developed uh, an adult? And even then, adults don't want to be treated the way that some people, some Christians even treat their children. Just because they're, see, that's the test of true humility is when someone doesn't have power over you, they're weaker than you, and you will still treat them as if you would treat someone who was above you. Amen. That's humility. You don't just get to shut them up and, and, and always... And, and treat them like they're trash. And this is what bosses do to servants. You know, like they say, absolute power corrupts absolutely. You don't know the, the, the depths of, of how integral you are or, or not until you are given power and you, you either yield that power for good or you do it for bad. You know, that, that's why a lot of people like to bag on pastors. Oh, you know, he's this, he's that. Well, how about you try it out? How about you lead uh, uh, many rebellious people who don't like to listen, who don't like to do that, and, and let's see how good you do it. Okay, come on. You Google the answers, you do it. Oh, no, but you just want, you want to be on the sidelines, right? And tell all the football players how to do it, right? You say, or you, you want to look in the sidelines into the UFC ring and say, man, I would have did the uppercut. I would have, no, you wouldn't because you're in the sidelines and you ain't in the ring. You wouldn't do squat. You are where you are and they're where they're at. They put the sacrifice. They put the time. So now when I'm talking about us raising children, marriage 
see, uh, uh, God wanted us to be fruitful and multiply. Is it, it you know, I, I hate to rain on your parade, but it ain't just sex. God wants God wants his image bearers in the world. You, you, you the Muslims know this? Why do you think they're having so many children? Because they want to overtake America, they want to overtake Europe. They want to steal your jobs. They want to steal the 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 positions in the White House and all this other stuff. Right? They're being fruitful and multiply. We need to be fruitful and multiply. And so guess what that takes? That takes character, it takes finances, it takes stability, it takes knowing how to do this stuff. So if you thought that just getting married was all about sex and about, you know, a, a staying pure, my brother, my sister, you got it all wrong. You, you, you're like Keith Sweat, you got it twisted. <laughs> twisted over <laughs> <laughs> um let, let's read verse 30 amen somebody amen. <clears throat> um amen. Uh, verse 30 charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting but a woman who fears the lord is to be praised so charm why does it use that word? Charm is a form of witchcraft. What do witches have? They have charms. Sisters, you you have to be very careful. You, you especially because... And the reason why a single you guys out when it comes to this stuff because men can tolerate looking more like trash than women can. Men can't tolerate being weak. Their area of pride is strength, or or if they're not strong and they're weak, right? That's an area of pride for them. But for women especially is looks and beauty. And so you need to be careful about why you want to look good. Because you may be yielding a charm, and that's a form of witchcraft. No, I. It's it's not. Look, it's not makeup. Because even in the scriptures, there were women of old. Because what's the difference between makeup and jewelry? Because jewelry can be a form of charm too, because it's an external ornament. And yet, there were holy women of old. The Bible says that adorned themselves. In the Old Testament, they did this. So it's, 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 there's a number of factors you have to consider. Your intentions and the motives of your heart. And how exactly you're putting your makeup on. Because some, some sisters can put makeup on that looks subtle. And it's not loud. Right? And, but then there's another sister. You, 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 the way you put makeup on, you look like Jezebel's daughter. And I believe it's contextual, and I believe it. There, the, the you know, the, there is a uh, because there are some cases, like I said, you know, uh, 
where a, 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 a woman could put on makeup, very light makeup, and, and look dignified along with her attire, her character, and all of that stuff. Okay? Now, I, I, I want to say, though, even with that, is um, your identity can't be in that stuff. Your identity shouldn't be in the way you look and all of that. But <clears throat> charm, beauty is deceptive. It's a charm. You can yield it as a charm to, to sway men. And, and you know, you know when you're, you're yielding that. And that, that needs to die. That needs to die. Because God, God is not pleased. God is not pleased with charm. And it says charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. And so here's another thing, sisters and, and brothers too. Because you, you may look to maybe your strength or being handsome or winsome. And you sisters may be looking to your beauty to, to you know. See, here's the thing. When you're married... Your that beauty is going to fade, right, at, with age. And so you better make sure that the person that you're settling down with did it, number one, because they love God, and number two, because you are a person of character. Because that, that character should remain. And if it's a thing of beauty, that is going to fade. And you're just going to, if it's all about that, you're going to move on to the next person who looks more beautiful. And you can't build a stable life that way. Does that make sense? Amen. So it says, But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. So she's a woman of honor. She fears the Lord. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, now, I'm going to be wrapping up here. In fact, let's turn real quick to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. First Peter chapter three verse three. It says, um, <clears throat> we'll, "We'll actually begin at verse one." Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Um, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, 
In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, here's the thing is, brothers, you know, for those that are married uh, here, you have to treat your wife with respect and don't think that you get away scot-free. Because that's a that's a daughter of the Lord. And if you aren't treating her with respect, you know what the Bible says? Your prayers will be hindered. You know why they'll be hindered? It's because God will close his ears to you. And for those of you brothers who will get married. See, and if you don't think that God won't do that, you don't know God. You don't know God. Because God certainly will close his ears to you and say, get right. Amen. People don't think God, people don't believe this stuff about God, but it's right there in the word. So you, you want to treat your wife a certain way and, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and never talk about her problems or dialogue, but you want God to hear you. And you're his wife. You're the bride. How does that work? And let me just throw this one in for free. It's also true if you don't submit to leadership. You say you submit to Jesus, but you won't listen to your pastor. And I can show you in James, it says, submit under the mighty hand of God. Who are the hands of God? It's the ministers. The, the feet can't say to the hand, I have no need of thee. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the hand of God is the ministers. And it says, for he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's what he says. You younger submit to the elders that are among you. He says, for he gives grace to the lowly, but he resists the proud. So, if you, res- if you are rebellious, God doesn't administer grace to you. God resists you. God opposes you. You can't tell you how many people say, I just submit to Jesus. I just submit to Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. No, it ain't you and Jesus because you're just talking to the ceiling. Your prayers are not even being heard. Amen. But going back to right here where so husbands need to, to love their wives and now here's the thing, wives, if a husband makes an executive decision on how the house is going to go, don't interpret that as he don't love you. This is where the wives need to submit to the husbands. You know, because the women will get that way. They'll, they'll turn their back to you, fold their hands, say, you don't love me anymore. Excuse me? Excuse me. <laughs> so, um, but it says, you know, for wives to submit to their husbands. But it talks about that the beauty that a woman should focus on is the inward beauty of the heart, of the character. What does it say of the, uh, you know, Jezebel's daughters? The loud and obstinate ones, they're loud. Have you ever worked at like uh, 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 
a retail store or like uh, fast food and you had a loud and demanding lady tell you what you need to do because you ain't doing it right. <laughs> you ever had them? They'll, they'll let you know up and down what's wrong with you, what's wrong with this establishment, what's wrong with that. And they have no regard. They're loud. Yeah, they're Karens. They all got the same haircuts too. <laughs> but quietness. Quietness of spirit gentleness adorning your character adorned with great character <clears throat> um so now one word about submission cuz what i've noticed men like to do is they they now i understand that a man would if their wife isn't being submissive, they will naturally go to a verse where God says, hey, be submissive, right? But it's it's what I have found is that some men will do this in order to be a tyrant, to be a dictator. And that's not what leadership is. Leadership is not about being a dictator. Okay? Because... See, to be a true leader, you have to care about the people that you're leading. And it takes love for that. And you, you want to do everything in their best interest. And so, you know, let me explain where submission, where submission does come into play. If a leader is lovingly leading a church or a leader is lovingly leading his wife and his family, the, that person has their best interest at heart. And because they are leading, well, if you don't know more, and if you aren't stronger, and if you aren't skilled in that and graced for that, then what is there, who, who is the lead? How can you lead if you don't have that capacity? And so naturally, if you know more and you're more skilled, those that you're leading won't always understand where they're being led to, in which case submission is required on their part. Look, I don't understand where we're going. That doesn't mean stop thinking critically. It doesn't mean be naive. It don't mean be gullible. But naturally, leaders know where they're going because they've already been there. Like, for example, here, I'm helping to explain to you all to lead in the area of marriage because I've been married six years. And some, and this isn't to belittle anybody. It's just to say, hey, look, I'm six years ahead and I want to show you some of the pitfalls. And you may not fully understand. You may even be tempted to disagree in some areas, but that's where it's like you need to yield and understand, well, this is being said for a reason. Amen? Amen. So, Amen. <clears throat> so, I want you all to have good marriages. Um, I want you all to have um, prosperous marriages. And so a lot of the focus today was on character. And um, you have to really work on that before, before you venture onto this 
path because once again coming to a close once you say i do that's it right there's no there's no like saying i i was just joking guys <laughs> you got to remember that this is going to be a lifelong thing or it should be you're going to what 20 years 30 years with the same person It should be a joy. Amen. It should be a joy. A marriage should be a joy. It shouldn't be um, a burden. There's going to be some rough spots and it won't always be easy. But it, it should it should be a blessing. And it should be a good model for those that will follow after you. So... <coughs> um.